0: Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We help committed people stop wasting time and stop compromising on their goals. We build and rebuild strong people through one-on-one custom fitness solutions. No filler, no nonsense, and no time to waste. Let's talk about it. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock, and today we have a guest, and I am excited. We have Stu Brower from What the Fuck Gym Talk, the uh, business consulting firm for micro gyms, uh, amazing podcast resource, YouTube channel, all of that. Creative Urban Movement, a great boutique gym concept. Founder of Micro Gym University, a complete suite of courses for micro gym owners, and I am thrilled to have him here. Stu, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. Justin, thank you so much for
0: having me on here, dude. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here. It's within the realm of possibility that people listening to this don't quite know who you are. Could you give us a two minute summary, at least to maybe up to recently?
1: Yes, a hundred percent. Uh, so my quick story guys is I've, uh, been in fitness my entire life since I was 15 years old, you know, grew up at an old boy's school, trying to play varsity lacrosse. I was a skinny redheaded kid. So the weight room and exercise physiology was a natural evolution. I went to college for exercise science, which is what I got my degree in. I found CrossFit in 2006. That was like a hot stock tip that took me, um, to kind of deep dive down the realm of the micro gym. And I did that for a hot minute. And then I realized, stop you're a good coach, but you don't know anything business-wise. I jumped ship from this micro gym model, CrossFit gym, and went and worked at a global gym for several years. Um, I excelled really well there. I learned a ton. This where I really gathered my business chops. And then once I had enough, I gathered enough knowledge. I went back and opened my own thing. And I did. I had my first brick and mortar in 2011. Um, I purchased uh, commercial real estate in 2016. I rebranded my business from a CrossFit affiliate to a standalone brand, and um, and then in 2021, just recently, I announced my retirement from the micro gym industry—not from the fitness industry, but just from the element of owning a uh, a micro gym. So, uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a—you uh, know—I'm 35, so that's 20 years now of being in this game.
0: That's incredible. And that last, the, the retirement announcement was really what inspired me to get in touch with you and ask you to be on in the first place because I love talking to people who are making big changes, who decided to change careers or I decided I'm moving to the city or I'm opening a gym or I'm starting a business or even like the big lifestyle changes, you know, the people who are breaking through sure. a plateau to upgrade their fitness or people are, have have made that decision. And usually it's it's a path that leads up to it And then there's a moment that it happens and a moment that they make that decision. And I find it uh, inspiring and frankly useful. So what does it mean to be retired from the micro gym business?
1: I think it's important to give an operational definition to it. For me, retirement, and I look at it in three realms, just the common realms that the average person listening to this would also encounter it. You hear people retire from sports, they retire from a career, or maybe they retire from their industry, their business, their entrepreneurial efforts. And retirement for me is when you've done one of those three things, so well that you are financially able to realize the success you've had and you can leave your sport job or business before it retires you because on a long enough timeline you will not play that sport forever you will not have that job forever you will not be able to run that business forever it will retire you but can you become financially uh, free enough can you play the right moves can you make the right investments can you do well enough to be able to walk away from it and be financially secure before it retires you. And, and that's, that's how I've been defining it. I tell people, you know, Brett Favre retired from football, but that dude's still slinging Wranglers. Like, that, you know, <laughs> he's still got a job, he's still working. I'm not sitting on my ass, um, but yeah, from the micro gym scene, uh, I am effectively retired.
0: Now, what went into that decision? What were the steps leading up to it? Because it's obvious, uh, and you've talked a little bit about this already in different pieces of content you've put out, but it certainly wasn't a random decision. It seems like to some degree, this was sort of always the plan.
1: Correct. The truth is, if you own a micro gym, one one micro gym, even two would be very difficult, but you're not going to be able to retire on that. You can have a very high paying job. You can become rich, but you will not become independently wealthy and be able to retire on that in and of yourself. Okay. So with that, you have to come up with a plan. And for me, in around 2014, I started, you know, investigating and then I finalized it in 2016. I decided owning commercial real estate would be my retirement. I am an entrepreneur, startup in the back of my truck, kid. I, mommy and daddy didn't give me any money. I don't have a trust fund, and I didn't, you know, I didn't bang the the rich clients in the back to to that's going to, to it's gonna help me out and give me money for this. Okay, so I had to save, and you know, I laid this out. I have a, I have a weekly newsletter, and I, and I kind of laid out the math of this. But for the average gym owner to think about buying a million dollar building. Okay, and let's say you do an SBA 504 loan, which is a really nice loan product that a small business owner can get. You need 10% down at a bare minimum to even like step up to the table. Million dollar billing, 10%, 100,000. Okay, so to save $100,000 sounds crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy. However, could you over the course of five years save 20? Could you over the course of seven save 15? Over the course of 10, save 10 each year. I mean, there, I mean, it's, it's totally there. And I just look at most micro gym owners think very short term, next quarter, next year. I always thought very long-term and that allowed me to deploy um, financial actions, right? That mimic my goals, save a ton of money, live impoverished. mean my gym was doing great. We, I mean, uh, at the highest, we did five, we were doing half a million dollars a year at around a 26% margin. I I wanted for nothing. Yeah, I was I was single. I didn't have a kid. I barely had it. Mean, I had no responsibilities. I was living life. But I I still was very smart with money saved. Um, I also uh, formed a partnership, uh, a real estate partnership. I mean, uh, he's my my kid's godfather uh, now and, and one of my best friends. He, uh, me and him went in on this and we, you know, we're 50, 50 in the real estate company and we had this idea and we ran with it. But for anyone listening there, the, those plays had to be put in place. Cause unfortunately a micro gym, the, the, there's just a, unfortunately um, a restriction in a micro gym, you will never become wealthy off of it. Um, and that's just, that's just the, the truth. And I just, I, I knew that back in the day and I just put in the play, the actions that would allow it so that now 20, and I didn't think it was going to happen this early I thought this was honestly, I really thought retirement would be 2026. That was the year I put in my head because that's 10 years after I bought the building. Well, it happened five years sooner.
0: Yeah. Five years into your 10 year plan being done is pretty amazing.
1: And I didn't sell the building because people are like, well, you buy, but well, so how are you retired if you own this building and you have the gym and all that just to put clarity on it? I had, we, we aggressively, even during COVID, we'd be getting lease offers on the building. And we got purchase offers and lease. I mean, this is like every three weeks. They're just, you know, my broker hits Did me Did you with some put it on the market or were they that, just cold calling you? We put 3,000 square feet on the market in March of 2020 when we got shut down. I had a, some, I had dead space in the back of the gym and I was like, I need some more revenue coming in. You know, COVID happened. So I was just looking for someone and I had no idea who'd want 3,000 square feet. Well, here's the answer. Nobody, but everyone wanted all 10,500 of a very large building. So... Uh, I mean, I'm talking churches, Justin, I had restaurants, I had other fitness shoes, concepts, um, co-working spaces, office bars, breweries, everything throw an offer. And from March, 2020 to when I signed a lease on my building, those offers got more aggressive and more aggressive and more aggressive. And I had to sit back and at some point, you know, I turned down a a just under $4 million cash offer with a 30 day close. And me and my partner sat down and I went up to his cabin in the woods and we, we cracked some whiskey and uh, smoked a little weed and we got deep in our thoughts and our feelings like what do we want out of life? Should, what should we say to this offer? We said no. And that, that was a hard pill to swallow, like you have, I'm not, it's like whatever the opposite of buyer's remorse would be, seller's remorse maybe, like I didn't sell it. And then, uh, shortly thereafter, a lease offer came in from a very successful brewery out of San Antonio, Texas, and barbecue restaurant, and they made us an offer that was just, it, it would have been bad business not t- to take it, and the gym owner and me fought it tooth and nail. I'm a stupor hour, I'm a gym owner, this is all I've ever done, it's my entire identity. And it was a very hard decision, but uh, I was able to depart the emotional side, to deploy my rational side, my business side. And uh, it was the right and smart decision to make.
0: So that was the moment that that lease offer came in and suddenly we were like, lease. oh, this is happening right now.
1: Yeah, so the lease offer came in, and it's at a dollar amount, you know, and it, just to throw beef transparent with numbers, my mortgage is around $8 a square foot on that building. Okay. Um, I charge myself, because the my gym is the tenant, so I, I wear two hats. I own the building, and my gym is the tenant. Um, my tenant pays, the gym pays $13 a square foot, and uh, the offer that we end up closing on is going to be north of $32. Whoa. Yep, that'll do it. So- Uh, So now you can, you know, it's sit back and collect mailbox money. I mean, I'll still do WTF and content and I've got some other things in the pipeline and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a really hard, uh, opportunity to pass up. And after 10 years of, I've been a brick and mortar guy for, uh, in the gym industry for just a little over a decade. And, um, yeah, I, I felt, I finally made peace with that decision and, uh, yeah. And, and called it a retirement. How is it negotiating this with a partner? One thing I've been fortunate enough to always do is I've never had a partner in anything except this, and I've had businesses and things like that, and the one thing that in real estate, especially let's, you know, for a gym owner, any small business owner who might be looking at this on the commercial side, the numbers are just staggering, right? Even like 10% down is just what you need to put down. That doesn't even count closing costs and upfit costs and all this other, so even though I had saved, I could not have floated the entire cash upfront liquidity event that would have needed to happen. And for me to make this, I was able to do about 50% of it. And you know, you run into these things like oh, we thought our up, there was to be $175,000. Like, yeah, we, we split that down the middle. We got, I, I had that, had that all day. Well, guess what? It turned out to be $375,000. I mean, we're talking $200,000 in Delta from what they thought it was because we got hit with rezoning and we had to put in a new sidewalk and this blah, blah, blah. Like everything that goes wrong would go on Murphy's law kind of stuff. And it broke me. I mean, I, I was the brokest I've ever been before, but like besides maybe when I first started the gym or when I was in college, I bet you I had more money in college than I did during that time. And, but I, I, it was willing to take short-term pain for long-term gain, but having a partner, you have a partner for three reasons. If anyone here is ever thinking about partnerships, you get a, um, a strategic partner, think of like Shark Tank, someone go with Mark Cuban, because they want all their widgets in the hands of the fans at the Dallas Mavericks game, that's a strategic partner, you have a cash partner, someone who literally is bringing cash to the table, and that's their number one value to you, and then you have like a skill-based partner, someone who is, you guys are probably complete yin and yang, like they're the marketing and sales guy, you're the back-end guy and the the innovative guy, like this partner for me, He was experienced. He had done some stuff in residential. Neither of us had done real or commercial. So we both, neither of us were helping each other out strategically, um, or, uh, set wise, but now the risk is half up, half off me. He throws in half, I throw in half and we both, you know, uh, you know, we both go forward and hopefully reap the reward. Do
0: you think the decision-making process would have been different if you were solo?
1: Um, it would have been a smaller building. <laughs> sure. It would not have been as big as a building. I would have still done it. I would, I would have found some way somehow to do that. Uh, commercial real estate in the United States is only appreciated. Uh, anyone can see that it's just like the stock market. It, it, it matches inflation and generally beats it. And here's what we end up seeing, especially in the, in the, the small business ownership world. you rent a building. That's inexpensive in the early stages. Cause you're not making them a lot of money, if any. So you rent what you can afford You work your butt off and over the course of maybe five or so years, you develop one hell of a following to try. Business is good. Guess what? During that, the beauty of gentrification is happening, urban sprawl, the whole deal, and your area now went from $12 a square foot to $22 a square foot at the time of your lease renewal. Well, no business is able to go from a fixed cost of $12 a square foot up to $22. Guess what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to now pick up shop. And go to the next gentrified area that is around $12 a square foot and remade. And hopefully, it's not too far away, but it probably you're going to lose a lot of clients. Yep. You might find some new ones, but now you're starting all over again. So that's why I tell gym owners or any business owner, bet on yourself. When you get into your first lease, if it's the right location, go all in. Do a 10 year lease. Because I'm telling you, if you, you go out of business, you, you'll bankrupt your LLC. That's why it's an LLC. You'll be fine. As long as you don't have to sign a personal guarantee on the lease. But uh, to, work that hard and then get uprooted and feel like you're starting back from scratch after five or six years, which just, I mean, I, I can't even imagine.
0: Yeah. Just having the rug pulled out from under you. And I think sometimes the the new lease terms are a surprise to people if they haven't done this before, like they're expecting their landlord to be their friend or something, which in my experience is never, ever, ever the case.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm a land. So I have tenants in my building now, uh, mm. subtenants of my gym. And I, you know, I, I try, you know, gave them as much free rent and then discounted rent as we could during COVID. I never raised their rates. Like I was supposed to annually. Like there are some landlords that are not, you know, jerks. Um, you know, but unfortunately you're right. More often than not, there's some old cranky white dude who doesn't care. Yeah.
0: And is happy to kick you out and bring the next guy in. Yes. As someone who lived in New York for 10 years, I'm have a lot of experience. With oh yeah, this. I'm sure
1: you saw it, I'm sure you saw it.
0: So you spent a lot of time, well you spent a lot of time building up your CrossFit gym and then yes. slowly recreating it into the model of urban movement. And I think it's mm-hmm. a good lesson for people because it wasn't, from a little while away, it may look like a quick success. I think it's a million little steps to get there and kind of figuring it out sure. and figuring it out and like constantly making it better and making it better. And one of the, um, I think big reasons your, uh, your podcasting or your YouTube is such a great resource is you've been very open and transparent, sort of taking people through these steps and like, I was going to do this and now I'm doing this and I had this and now I'm tearing up my pull up rig because people keep walking in and saying this is a CrossFit gym and that's the last day that's going to happen. So I'm just taking it off the wall, yeah. a huge amount of time invested. Do you consider that wasted time?
1: No, it's it, my my business was has always been my first love. My like it's it's who I am. I, I I started this thing and it's all I ever had. I have a daughter now, so she now tops the list there. Um, I obviously have family and friends that I love, but the, the business is um, is something I created. And I came from an era in 2006 where I begged people to try this crossfit thing, and everyone told me I was stupid. And then fast forward to 2011, 12, 13, it, po- it peaks in popularity. And then in 2014, I'm looking around at this CrossFit thing, and I'm like, I've evolved as a strength conditioning coach, as a fitness professional, as a, as a business owner with a, with a, a good level of business acumen, and I see it, I, I I see what I don't think a lot of other people do. So I'm going to walk away from CrossFit. I mean, walking away from CrossFit and rebranding and starting that process in like 2014, 2015, and so on. That was I mean that that was hard. And when I did, I moved the building. I changed the name. I got rid of CrossFit, I, and I didn't just change the name. I gutted the entire program. I mean, I lost forty plus members essentially overnight. I lost nine coaches. Like I, you know, and again, this is after being putting out all my cash to build this building, right? So, um, yeah, there's a lot of headaches, a lot of stressful nights, and um, I was building. I was building the plane as I was flying it. It's not like I like if I could go back in time. Now again, that's what's really funny. I was getting kicked out of my building. My landlord was that jerk landlord that we were just talking about was evictless kicking us out because they're trying to sell it yeah. They, you know so i mean i was it's not like i could have hung out as crossfit south end for everyone that was my crossfit uh business in, in charlotte north carolina right. i could have couldn't just hang out as crossfit south end and then tried to build this other thing and test it out i mean i was building the plane as i flew it and um it worked out we had a downtick and we had a very fast uptick um and the the model it's right now like, you know i've had to announce to all my customers sorry guys you you got to go somewhere else. And you know what the, the thing that I have the most pride in, but at the same time I hate, they're like, there's nowhere else to go. Like there, I cannot get this workout anywhere. Like our, we have this thing with our signature tempo training. It's not offered at any other gym anywhere that I know, not even in North Carolina. So like, it's, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, there's pride in that. Like I did it. I spent all this time and money and effort building because I wanted to be different and unique and I wanted to create something. And, Obviously, I just took a different route now with the retirement, but I still accomplish that at the end of the day. And I am very proud of that.
0: Now, with with Urban Movement, your gym, and I want to be specific here because Urban Movement is the, the company and the concept, but it's also the gym in North Carolina. So the gym in North Carolina is, no longer exists. The members are gone. Well, it's so November 13th is our last class. OK, so as of this record in about a week.
1: Correct. What are you doing with all the stuff? Liquidating stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know me. I I'm, everything's got to be done as a business. I'm not just gonna roll up the bay doors and have people hand me cash and Venmo. So I created Shopify stores. I skewed everything, and I'm putting it online and doing it all e ecom, and then they can schedule pickup times. So, <laughs> but I'm gonna liquidate it. Um, and man, oh, I but dude, I took I put took this on like a job. I found a company to take 300 stall mats. I would dare anyone in the world to try to liquidate 300 stall mats. It is very difficult. If I think ever most people are paying companies
0: to take them away.
1: Yes, that's, it would have cost me nine grand. I had to quote it out, how much it would cost to have for the labor and the trucking and then the recycling fees to get rid of that rubber. And uh, I found a company to take all 300. It was just, again, pick up the phone, call, hang up, pick up the phone, call, hang up. I mean, <laughs> I took it like as a personal as a personal sales challenge.
0: Now, I know with Urban Movement, for a while, and I truly don't know what the state of this is. So, so I'm I'm not intentionally being rude here. There was a call for you were launching an affiliate license. model that people could apply yes. and become Urban Movement affiliates. Yeah,
1: are there any? So there, there's not. And here's so in 2021 January, I announced the Urban Movement license model. It was a plan we had 2020 like you know, put the put hit the brakes on it. Well, as we got back into the gym, uh, we got back in in Charlotte, North Carolina in the sp- end of spring going into summer, like June of 2020. I got back into the building. So me and the team are getting together and we don't know what COVID looks like, but I'm like, listen, guys, um, I put up the building for lease for 3000 and it's now June. So it's just been March, April, May, June. And those four months alone, we've gotten 26 offers and each one keeps getting a little bit higher than the other. So. Here's, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to lease the building out. I don't know if it's ever going to get high enough to hit my kind of, me and my partner had a number in our head of how much we'd need to take home each month in mailbox money in order to lease it out. I don't know if it's going to get there. So let's, I'm going to run both in parallel. I'm going to keep the the building on the market, see if it pops up, but I want us to get this license model out the door because I wanted to replicate urban movement, but I didn't want to own any more gyms. Right. I didn't want the liability. So we launched it. I rushed it out the door. Okay. However, high reception, 40 applications. I'm doing background checks. We're having meetings with people. I mean, we're having serious conversations. And then about four months into that process, offers ticked up again because it got slow. So what happens in real estate, like as you go into the winter months, kind of like with houses, you don't want to try to sell a house in November, December, January. It's tough. Same thing with commercial. No one was really moving on leasing. As soon as the snow thought off, February, March, April, May, June. I mean, the offers just climbed right back up on the lease. So I've got, you know, however many of these licensees that we're having conversations with, and I'm not telling them what's happening with the lease because I don't know if it's going to go through. And also the other thing, if anyone's not into commercial real estate, you can walk a deal all the way up to signing and it falls through. You can work on a deal for two or three months and then it falls through at the last second. So like you never know until it's actually inked whether it's going through. So, it, you know, you can't really jump the gun on anything. So, uh, licensees are like, hey, we're ready to get started. We're ready to get started. I'm like, yeah, it was, you know, I'm telling my team, like, hold them off for a little bit, man. Hold them off because I, I, I ethically, Justin, if, if I signed up five, six or so licensees and then in four months I announced I was retiring and my, my HQ was not going to be there, ethically that would not sit well with me at all. So, I slow rolled everything knowing that this might happen. And guess what? It happened. So effectively as of now, there is one potential conversation that would possibly result in a double-digit number of licensees, a a 12, you know, whatever. I doubt that's going to happen, like very, very low probability of that happening um, for this one company to sign on 12 of their locations. Um, But, you know, I'm going to keep all the IP. One thing I didn't do, I didn't sell the company. I own 100% of Urban Movement through and through. Every system, every module, every marketing, branding effort, all the trademarks, I still own 100% of it. So I always could pop up another Urban Movement. If I found the right person, if they contacted me and they're like, dude, I, I, I wanna do a license, I know you said you're not doing it, please hear me out. If someone pitched me right on it, maybe. If someone wanted to buy the license property, maybe. Or maybe one day I buy another building and I need to throw an operating entity into who I know can pay the rent. And I know the model, and there I go. I've got a, a business in my pocket, kind of scenario.
0: Yeah, you almost have like a, like a turnkey gym ready to go. You're like, yep, oh, we know exactly. Here's the numbers. Here's the gear. I know exactly what it costs. Let's go.
1: Yeah. So, um, but yes, yeah, so that's so I'm holding on to it. But as of now, yeah, the license model is effectively at a at a strong standstill. What advice would you give people? Bummer. Go ahead. Which was, I, mean, what I was just saying, which was a huge bummer. I was super excited about it. I was. I mean, like, I really was. But at the same time, you know, I, am not going to complain about champagne problems, but yeah, it was just, uh, it's, it's just so funny the way you picture the way things are going to work out. And then something just comes out of left field. And sometimes it's horrible, like horrible things come out of left field. So I don't want anyone. I'm not sitting here complaining in any way, shape or form. It just, it's just funny the way life works. Yeah. You thought you had at least another five years to work on this. Yeah. What advice would you give to people who are
0: considering making a, a giant change and are wondering if it's typically I run into people who are like, they're very worried if it's the right time or things they aren't considering and nothing, you know, knowing that nothing's ever a sure thing and there's sort of never a right time to make these giant changes, maybe mindset wise, how do you approach this stuff?
1: I I think, you know, again, there's a risk to reward to it. So if someone's considering a giant change, there's probably at the end of that stick, a carrot that is a large reward. Maybe you're going to look better naked. Maybe you're going to be financially more secure. Maybe your business is going to quadruple, whatever the whatever that change you, is in the rainbow at the end of that change. And then you look at the risk to it. So like when it's personal change, mindset, physicality, whatever it may be, you know, who you are as a person, you know, I know people who are like they're scared to they get into therapy and therapies could be their big change. If they could probably stick through therapy for 12 to 18 months, they, they'll probably be a completely different, stronger human than they are today. And, but they're scared to maybe make that, that jump. So I always look like, what's the risk? And let's say it's that therapy example. You get in there, you realize you don't got it. You get in there and you hate it, right? You go get in there and you realize it's the wrong group, wrong doctor, go to someone else, right? Let's say you want to change your body. What's your biggest risk? You try it, you hate the boxing classes. Oh, try another class. Eh, You try it, you hate that one. You get into it, you realize one day, actually, I'm not upset with myself. Uh, I like myself who I am at 20 pounds overweight. That wasn't the problem. This other thing I discovered provides me happiness, and now I'm going to do with that. So what is the risk? And if there's a, there's not a much of a risk, go for it. Like what do you have to lose if there truly is no risk? Now on the buying a building or investing a ton of money in the crypto or in starting a business, as long as it doesn't take you to zero. And I'll tell you this. Even if it, if it takes you to zero, just make sure no one's reply, relying on you to have one. If you have kids, a wife, people who rely on you, a family member that needs you to have one, $1, $100, $1,000, whatever it is, then you need to, you need to really think about that decision. But if that decision took you to zero and you didn't have anybody and you're like, I don't mind eating ramen noodles and sleeping on my buddy's couch, then go for it. But you got to You got to really, you know, if, 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 if the risk could take you to zero and that gets zero, could be emotionally. It could be like, I don't know how it would take you to zero physically. Um, you know, but, or financially, then, yeah, they think then that's when you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons.
0: A lot of times I find that people, when you dig down on these decisions, a lot of them are really worried about what everyone else is going to think. Like they've considered the actual, oh, like yes. the nuts and bolts, bolts tactical parts of it, but they're stuck in the mud because they're worried people are going to make fun of them for dumping CrossFit and creating their own gym or doing
1: some other thing. Has that ever come up in your life? Justin, it's so funny, the serendipity of this, the day after you were on my podcast, I had a conversation with good colleagues of mine in the industry about my fear of the identity crisis I was suffering if and when this lease ever came to fruition. Would the WTF gym talk guy be a relative entity anymore, a personality, a, a vessel, if I don't own a gym? And I'm telling you, I mean, that was so hard for me. Personally, it's all I've ever known is owning a gym. I love walking into my place and being the mayor. I love driving past it. My daughter, like nothing makes me prouder than like when we drive past the building. We don't even go into it. And my dad, my daughter's like, that's daddy's gym. Like, oh my God, just, I love it. And I had this intense identity crisis of like, well, then who am I? Will anyone listen to me anymore if I don't have a gym? And I got a really good piece of advice um, and said like, hey, pretend you're talking to yourself. Um, I've got a business life coach as well. And he's like, pretend you're talking to yourself. This one version where you stayed a gym owner, you bump into you at a bar and you're talking and you're like, Hey man, what do you do? And you're like, I I own a gym. And I, I I started in 2011 and it's 2035 now. And I own this gym and things are good. Like, cool. Now go bump into you. If you, do this thing and you do the lease and you start this new company and whatever and now I have that conversation. What does it sound like? I owned a gym for 10 years, really good. I retired then and then I started this gym real estate company and I work with people and I help gym owners lease and buy buildings and then I also did this other thing. Like, And again, neither story is better or worse than the other, but which one do you want more? Which story do you want to be able to tell? And I chose the latter. I love that. And that was the last day I had that identity crisis about it.
0: I think that's really strong advice for people. I love that what would you do differently in this process? Is there anything that you, you wish really hadn't gone down oh, the way it God. went down or something? Again, yeah, I'm not trying to like I push mean, your pain points. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious.
1: <laughs> no, I won't have any PTSD on your show, I promise. Um, we, uh, commercial real estate, especially this size, I probably bought one of the last million dollar buildings in Charlotte. You probably couldn't buy a building my size for anything less than two points something these days. So got in, so again, there's luck, but luck only shows up when you're working hard that kind of a scenario. I don't know, I didn't know anything about commercial real estate at the time. I have my master's in it at this point. And in the next two weeks, I'll actually be a a licensed broker in the state of North Carolina and then some other states. But me and my business partner, because we are so strapped on cash because of some of the shortfalls, the appraisal was almost $200,000 short. If anyone who knows anything about how blending works, they're only going to lend to you based on the appraisal. And then, like I said, the rezoning issue and all this other stuff. So we caused ourselves our own headaches in the commercial leasing process to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars. All things that easily were very easily avoidable. Um, and, uh, I've been able to, you know, to take to other people and help them avoid that, that those mistakes. But yes, I wish I would have probably um, hired more professionals in that realm of it. And cause I didn't know what I did, didn't know. Um, the second thing was the rebranding. I've talked about this before. I rebranded my business and I knew it would take a while for the rebranding to take place. And I, I gave it a good amount of time. Like I, I started the slow rebranding drip around 2014, 15. I finalized it in 2017, like last bandaid ripped. Even that almost three years wasn't enough time for me to fully, cause I was still figuring it out. So my other thing, you know, advice that I, if I could give it back to myself, it'd be like, expect your rebranding process to cost you way more money than you thought. It's going to take twice to three times as long as you thought. And your are it's not CrossFit. CrossFit was already figured out for me constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. You do this, you do this, you do that. I mean, it was a, it's not a franchise. It's a licensed model, so they don't tell us how to run it. But I had 16,000 other units to look at. I was creating a one-of-one. One. And that, when you're creating a one-of-one, one, it is very difficult um, because you are constantly going to wipe the whiteboard clean and be like, oh, that didn't work. But it took you six months to find out if it worked. So there was, I wish I just would have known, um, the rebranding process and how difficult and longer that would have taken and, and been smarter on the commercial real estate side.
0: Those both sound really hard, like very valuable lessons earned in a very challenging way.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, with WTF, with the consulting work, that's probably why a lot of my work is brand based and people who are rebranding. I held this rebranding summit back in 2019. I brought all these top gyms that have rebranded because it is very difficult, and there are a lot of gyms, especially in the wake of the Glassman thing, that wanted to change their identity. And um, but yeah, it's it's only but again, it's only through that. Like I think the best football coach is the guy who didn't start, the guy who was like third string and grinded it out and was a journeyman in the NFL and just studied plays all the time for when he would get his shot. Right, like that's who I want as my coach. I don't want the guy that had nothing but the fast trajectory. And I don't believe in fast trajectories to success. But I I want someone if you're a boxing coach, you better have a stutter. Does that make sense? Like you've been hit a few times. I want you to look like you've gotten your ass kicked a few times. I don't want you looking pretty and being my boxing coach.
0: I had this conversation with someone yesterday who would, I was, they they gave me some nice compliment. I don't remember what it was, something business wise. And I I said, related to this, I said, no, no, I'm not good at anything. I would just throw myself at a subject over and over and over again until I figure it out. Like I'm totally fine. Like being bad for 2 years at something and then yeah. making some progress and I I'm, I'm and you can't embarrass me on my way there that's the only way I've gotten good at anything like I am a natural at nothing
1: yeah and it, it, it get, the question is you do more things in life it's like okay well you know am I a consultant am I a gym owner am I retired am I a real estate guy what like what am I people ask me what do you do whatever it takes that's what I do I just do whatever it takes to get the thing that I want at the time that's it
0: Now, that leads into my next question, which my my notepad eloquently eloquently says, now what? But I want to talk about this real estate company you've mentioned a couple of times, if you're okay talking about it. What's that?
1: Uh Uh, So it'll officially get it, like, it'll be open for business January of 2022. It is the Jim Real Estate Company. In my, uh, I leased my first commercial real estate building in 2011. And my experience with brokers, I had very nice brokers, like extremely nice people. I, I bump into them and in My broker that helped me with this uh, get my building lease, impressive gentleman. None of them were able to put guardrails in for me for a gym. I mean, and again, it's not, they're like, they don't specialize in gym. They've never owned a gym. They're taught, they're taking me micro gym owner, whatever, around on a Tuesday to look at locations. And then two hours later, they're taking a guy around to look at subway franchise locations. And then an hour later, they're taking someone to go look at, you know, we work locations. I'm just one appointment. And here's the thing with micro gym owners, and they don't realize this, but if you've been in the industry and and gotten to mingle and rub elbows, you'll hear it. A gym, the average gym is maybe a couple thousand square feet to start off with. And they're going to sign, like I said, they're normally scared to like really put their nuts on the line in the beginning. So they, maybe they sign a three-year lease. Do you know what that commission is worth to a broker? Nothing, not, not much, not much compared to their other deals. Right. And the way brokers work for those of you guys, if you've ever sold a house or works the same in commercial, a broker receives three, we are, we, whoever represents. So like let's say that the tenant's broker who's representing the tenant who's signing the lease gets 3% of the total life value of the lease. So, if it's a, uh, what's some easy math? Five years, which would be 60 months. Okay. And if we had a 60 month lease and that 60 month lease was going to be $5,000 a month. Okay. So, kids, 5,000 times 60 months. Now, times that by, by 0.3, that broker would walk away with a $9,000 check. And essentially, he forwarded about 20 emails and walked you around to five or six buildings. Okay. Which, okay, good for him. That's the money he makes. But he, I've rarely ran into gym owners who have had great success. Like their leases were effed. I mean, they were just like, dude, they, like, they didn't have quiet right to enjoyment. They didn't have first right of refusal. They never did a vibration test. Like they didn't understand because their broker didn't guide them because the broker just didn't know. And then they get evicted 18
0: months later and they don't understand. (laughs)
1: I got a gym that he opened up next to a firehouse subs. He was kicked out in four months because people's sandwiches are shaking off the table while oh. he's doing cry. I'm like, why would your broker ever allow you to do this? Said, I don't know. It was my aunt's buddy. Yeah, <laughs> Your aunt's buddy. So anyway, the gym real estate company is going to help micro gym owners lease buildings with leases that are again, going to be strongly negotiated and going to set them up for success. And then you have my added business coaching of, Hey, Think about this and like looking at things that they might not look at, like the operational capacity, of the facility, we're going to be able to do 2D and 3D rendering layout. So gym owners have an idea what this space is going to look like once they commit to a space. Um, heat map indexing for your target market. If a gym owner is savvy enough to have a really strong avatar for me, I've got individuals now they'll be contracting with me. They'll be able to do a nice fat marketing heat map. And this is something like gym owners are like I've never heard of that. It's because generally that's generally this is reserved for a slightly higher echelon of a business to be yeah. able to do uh, demographic heat mapping and stuff like that. But I, I've been working on this business, and we're going to be able to do all this. And then my hope is that my retirement story is inspiring some gym owners to purchase a building because I truly believe it's the only way that you're going to successfully retire while being able to double dip and be a gym owner because you can, like me, I got the you can keep playing gym owner for as long as you want. I could have said no to the lease offer. I chose not to, but if I really wanted to be a gym owner more than I really wanted to sit back and collect mailbox money, I could have just kept being a gym owner. And guess what? I would have, there would have been another lease offer later on down the road. Real estate is appreciating the area is only getting better. So I am hopeful. I think in the beginning, I'll be helping a lot of people get good leases. And then I'm hopeful that I'll, I'll also get to work with a lot of people who are going to look to buy buildings for their micro gyms and then eventually set them and their family up for some nice generational wealth.
0: You seem very, focused, and I mean this in a good way, you seem to have a lot of clarity around this project. Over the last, let's say, 10 years, what has become more important to you and what has become less important to you?
1: The In 10 years, the thing that's been important to me is to try to be the guy that can see around the corner, to see when everyone's zigging, to not just zag just to be different, but to understand why a zag is actually a better play. When I rebranded Urban Movement, I'm like, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Nobody can see... That the opportunity that lies with creating something unique in the market and not just being another CrossFit gym with rogue banners and, and you know, everyone doing Fran on Tuesday. No one can see that. In my, in my market, I was made fun of by all my peers. I mean, I was ridiculed and publicly in places. I'd go to a bar where there's two other gym owners and I'd literally get called out as I walked in the bar. And I mean, and I'm not, I'm not a big confrontational guy, you know, in person, I'm super like, Hey, it's cool, whatever. I mean, you see me online and my persona is a little bit different, but like, I was like, Hey, listen, just, just wait for the scoreboard, man. Wait for the scoreboard. So like, I always pride myself on, on being able to to zoom out and see a situation better than others. And with this real estate company thing, you know, if you want to talk super transparently, name another business position in which you can say to yourself for everyone, my consulting is my, my main course of work. I consult with micro gym owners. Name a position in business in which you can say, how do I get more money from current clients, which is what every service business wants. How do I get more people to pay more money, right? Lifetime client value without them having to pay more money. Find me that solution. Find it for me. It doesn't exist. I am going to get to activate more dollars for providing more value for my client and it will not cost my client a thing it'll right. cost the landlord that's how that's how commissions work landlords pay the commission the, the seller of the building pays the commission so my gym owners and the clients that I get to work with are going to get all the benefit of working with a business coach in the micro gym industry someone who understands their lease and buying the pro the buying process and getting lending SBA 504s And it won't cost them anything. I can't think of a better way to help a gym owner, but still get compensated because it's my time. I still have to find that. So I'm very focused. And and I zoom out. I'm like, how did I not think of this prior? This is a genius idea. How did I not think of this prior? So like, yes, I I feel feel very zoomed in and I'm very full of myself on this idea. I'm very excited about it, but that's how I approach everything. I go into everything like I'm going to take lives. Like that's it's game over for everybody else. Get out of my way.
0: And it sounds really satisfying as, as someone who has uh, you know certainly faced some of the challenges you're talking about, like, how to, like I need more money to do this. And sometimes the challenges create an enormous amount of value for this person, but I need a little bit of time. Oh God, yeah. In order to cover that time, I need a little bit of money. And this seems to allow you with, frankly, an extremely niche, but very deep tool set to create a fire hose of value for someone because they're not the one you have to ask for the money.
1: Correct. And we talked about kind of niching earlier, like find me another gym owner that's come up in the past decade or two that has the retirement story through purchasing commercial real estate. I will probably, I mean, it's going to, someone else is going to follow in line, but I, for now I can go ahead and stand and say, I'm the guy, like you're not going to find anyone else with the experience. And again, I worked really hard, and I didn't. It's not like I came up with the gym real estate company back in 2011. I was like, "Well, I'm going to do the gym real well, and I'm going to buy the building, and then I'm going to lease it out, and then I'm going to open the gym real estate company." I wish I had that level of Frank Underwooding and long-term planning, right? But I didn't. Like, but I do. I feel very, very cool because I I want to keep helping micro gym owners, and I've been. You, you, you. You're familiar with my content. I can only make so many operational capacity videos. I can only make so many sales videos this is an angle and the information I'll be able to start putting out for free. Cause you know, I'm addicted to trading record on my camera and hitting upload. So as I learn more about leases and have examples, I'll be able to put that stuff on the internet and share it with everyone. So even if they never do hire me, they'll at least still be able to learn from it. So this is like a whole new educational realm that nobody else can right now or is playing it.
0: What will success look like for the gym real estate company for you? Like in, in two years, if you're trying to determine yeah. if this is, have I been successful? Have I been kind of successful? What does success look like?
1: Correct. And you know, it's not money driven. I've got the mailbox. I'm good. I have my consulting is a very uh, lucrative business. So the big thing for me, and I, I'm glad you asked this because I came up with these answers. Uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about this out so of that. I would love to, within five to 10 years, say I've helped around 50 gym owners buy a building. And 50, I think I might be undershooting. I think I might be able to do more than that. If I I do 10 a year in five years, I would be extremely, extremely happy with that effort because what it's done now is even if I never talk to that gym owner again, uh, they're going to be okay. They're going to be taken care of. They're going to be set regardless what happens. COVID 2.0 shows up. They have an out. They could sell it. They could rent it. They have an out. Their kids have a brighter future than they did. And and that, like, if I could get gym owners to that stage, you now the least part, I want to work with guys too and help them get good leases and all that stuff. But I think I'll really feel the mission when they don't own just the gym, they own the building.
0: I have two, two sort of open-ended questions I like ending interviews with. And the first one always sounds confrontational, which is why I have this long lead up to it. What do you do if it doesn't work? If two years from now it's, you're, it's, it's not matching that definition of success.
1: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can look and see what, I'm, what's happening or not happening that, is there anything I could pivot on, but let's just say it's not working. Um, it's nice. It's a zero, it's a very, very low cost startup concept. It's some classes, uh, some continuing education every year, a website um, and my time I'll be flying out. I'll be, I'll be flying the client sites and doing stuff, which I mean, you see, like I love Get me in a plane and a camera and go visit a gym. I'm I'm in. Um, so it, let's say it's not working, or I'm not good at it, or nobody wants it. Then you know it's again it's another swing and miss. Like my license thing, my licensing thing. I man I mean I had so, I thought that was a home run, but guess what? Like I got up the bat and I got pulled, and they put it in desk and they put it in somebody else, and I had to go do pinch running or something like these horrible baseball references, but just, uh, that's as close as I can get. But listen, it, yeah, I would, I don't judge myself on failure and things like that. And if I truly, my gut, like I do now feel like this is the next path for me and the way for me to help micro gym owners, that's what I'm going to go with. If I change my mind on it, I have no problem changing my mind and publicly making people aware of that.
0: And last question or last question for me, if you have, if I could come up with unlimited resources, good news, Stu, I found all the time and I found all the money. Here you go. What
1: do you do? You know, I bet you the easy answer of what everyone tells you, maybe the ones that are like, I do this. This is what I do. I love what I do. And I do. I I would probably keep doing this, but if i had limited time and resources... You know what, thing that I've kind of got now that I'm retired and I have more free time, I've been thinking about all my buddies in high school or grade school or college that I like that I was friends with, and we stay in somewhat contact, but not, or even like acquaintances. Like I've got people I worked with in Globo Gym industry in 2016, and we, you know, we were around each other for eight months, but I loved that guy or girl. Like they were awesome. I thought it'd be so cool to just like, you know, fly around, have a couple video cameras follow me and like drop in on people that I haven't seen in years and have that amazing moment when you don't see someone in a while and you pick up like it was yesterday. I live for those moments. I'm going to a wedding here soon in December for buddies and I'm guys I haven't seen in seven, eight years. And I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, I love that moment. I'm such a social creature. That's what I do. I would travel and fly around and drop in in surprise and bump into all the people that have been cool in my life and had positive influence and hang out with them, go get a beer or a coffee. And, uh, that, that's what I do.
0: I think that's a beautiful answer. And you're right. Not to casting no shade at past guests, generally people say i would do what i'm doing now but even more so at 120 percent that's a beautiful and frankly a very generous answer and uh i'm gonna double back on something i said at the top for anyone listening to this who doesn't know Stu's content uh you're very open and transparent and it's it's as as a non-gym owner as a coach small business owner uh, it's been super helpful to me uh and i suggest people follow all of your stuff and certainly follow along with your current journey, which frankly is inspiring and uh, and I'm really enjoying it.
1: What else should people know about you? You know, if, if you happen to listen to this and you thought it's interesting, then you go and catch a clip or whatever, it, generally I'm a little bombastic on content and people are generally turned off by, from me by f- at first sight. I would, I would tell you to go ahead and just kind of dig in a little bit deeper and maybe use the context of this kind of conversation versus maybe the clickbait Reel I made last week on something that might sound really aggressive. I generally I like because I'll come onto a podcast and I'm like, man, I really liked you on the podcast, but I watched two of your reels and you are kind of a dick. <laughs> and, and I'm just, I always, almost like I'm like, marketing. always try to look, pe- I know, I like, always just kind of try to go look at the context of everything. But um, no, for anyone listening, you know, any invite, you know, what else I'd want them to know. This was my kind of Everest, my thing to achieve. I worked really hard for it. And I'll I'll set another goal and to do something else here with the real estate company or whatever. But whoever is listening and has um, an ambition, because again, for me thinking I'm going to own a building, I'm going to retire in 10 years at 35 years old. I, I didn't have that plan in my head but you know it probably maybe twinkled in my eye at some point like man I wonder how much money I could get for this one day this would be crazy like in all reality and I and I dis- I was like nah, that's not possible and then it's like shut up it sure it it could be 100% it is it's just you, you got to plan be patient and be practical those are like the three things I live by uh, when it comes to this so yeah get out there plan for it be patient cuz the shit don't happen overnight and, uh, and be practical with it, be practical with how, what's going to happen when it turns up, cause you'll be a different person at a different stage of your life. You might have kids, a wife, you might move, whatever. Like you just got to be real with it. So, um, that, that's, that's what it would, but that's what I'd say.
0: That's great. I really appreciate that. Where should people go? Plug, plug all of the things you want. We can put stuff in the show notes if you want links there too.
1: Yeah, just, you know, Google WTF Gym Talk. That's that's the Instagram, that's the Facebook, that's the YouTube, that's the everythings. And then um, the Gym Real Estate Company. If anyone listens that is a gym owner in the fitness industry, or maybe you're a Jason, you just, you want to talk to me about the real estate stuff. I got a link in my bio now where people, because we're not open for business till January, but we are taking inquiries of people and what states they're in, because there's, there's reciprocity with brokers and all this stuff, state to state. So, uh, there's a link in my bio on Instagram and if you're interested or you're looking to buy a building one day or you're looking to lease one, uh, you know, go fill out that information and I'll, I'll give you a phone call and we'll, you know, we'll jam on the phone for a little bit, get to learn a bit more about what you want to accomplish.
0: And especially giving the headaches you're described, uh, getting your first gym up and going through this, it sounds like frankly, an incredible resource for anyone who is. You know, anything but an expert in this and considering doing a gym to reach out and try and talk to you.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping that's the goal.
0: And I'm here to, I, I don't want to blow your DMs up, but I am I am going to say on the podcast that Stu will just respond to you. If you like reach out and ask a question, oh, yeah. there's a pretty good chance you're going to hear his voice in the next couple of minutes and you are probably going to have gonna a conversation. Message, like, yeah. It's not yeah. that hard to get in touch. So if you have a question, I suggest asking yeah.
1: a question. Thank you, dude. Yeah, this is great. I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and giving me your platform and your audience to, to jam on. I
0: Thank really you. appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your subscriptions. Your written reviews make a big difference. Thank you for those, please keep them coming. Drop five stars while you're there. If you find these podcasts helpful, share them with friends, send it on. We love it when the stuff gets shared outside of our bubble, outside of you folks. Any feedback, hit us up on Instagram, at feelstrongfit on Instagram. DMs are open there for all of your questions and feedback more questions about the program, or you're ready to get started, feelstrong.me is the website, feelstrong.me. If you're ready to make a change, if you're ready to feel better than you have in a long time, get in touch. My name is Justin McClintock, Feel Strong.